This is Mountaintop History, a podcast from the Thomas Jefferson Foundation at Historic Monticello. My name is Kyle Chattleton. In the midst of the election of 1800, presidential candidate Thomas Jefferson wrote a very personal and intriguing document where he asks himself what, if any, value he has offered to his country through public service. As he answered his own question by creating a list of what he thought were personal accomplishments, Jefferson also gave future historians a look into what he considered to be important when it came to his country. And as it turns out, for Jefferson, olive oil and rice were especially important. I spoke with Monticello Guide and House Tour Supervisor, Dana Kelly, to learn more about Jefferson and this document. All right, well, this is Kyle Charlton, and I'm joined uh, by illustrious Monticello Guide and Supervisor, Dana Kelly. How are you doing, Dana? Hi, Kyle. I'm good. Uh, and we're here to talk about an interesting document, a document titled A Summary of Public Service written by Thomas Jefferson sometime after September 2nd, 1800. And in this document, he opens with these words. I have sometimes asked myself whether my country is the better for my having lived at all. I do not know that it is. I have been the instrument of doing the following things, but they would have been done by others. Some of them perhaps a little later. Um, I don't know about you, Dana, but I've I've never asked that question of myself. You have have I contributed to my country? <laughs> I think maybe it's a little better off for you having lived, Kyle. I know you recycle all the time and I you vote. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's such an interesting and curious document. You you brought this to my attention because it it's just a little strange how Jefferson comes up with this list, isn't it? Right. And why is he asking himself that question at that? time. Um, and we don't think he ever sent it to anybody, nor was it published. It's just a private document found in his papers. But to give you some context, okay, the fall of 1800, Jefferson is the presidential candidate uh, for the Democratic-Republican Party. Adams is the uh, Federalist candidate. And it's been a very nasty campaign season. And he's just in one of these moods, I think, where he's saying, is this all worth it? Am I any good? He's having second thoughts. He's um, being a little introspective. And maybe he wants to set the record straight because a, a, um, a, an address has just been printed in a newspaper that John Beckley wrote. And uh, John Beckley is thought to be, some historians say, uh, one of the first uh, early political campaign managers in the country. And he wrote this pro-Jefferson document with a biographical sketch, and he made a lot of errors. So partly what Jefferson is doing is setting that record straight. That document was published on September 2nd, and that's why historians date Jefferson's summary sometime after September 2nd. And then just always so curiously, Jefferson wanting to correct the record, but he writes this document privately. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he knows they'll find this. But let's go through this list because, uh, Dana, I think as you so uh, so rightly noted when you first brought this to my attention, each one of these 
items really kind of expands our understanding of who Thomas Jefferson was as a human being. So for example, he begins by noting that the Ravana River, which is uh, right near nearby here in Charlottesville, uh, he writes, the Ravana River had never been used for navigation. Scarcely an empty canoe had ever passed down it. Soon after I came of age, I examined its obstructions, and long story short, he more or less gets government support to remove these obstructions so that commerce and navigation and trade can com com commence down the Ravana River. This is Jefferson interested in navigation, in rivers as highways, as commerce. It's also a way of thinking about Thomas Jefferson and his relationship with his father, uh, Peter Jefferson, in many ways, when it comes to navigation and, and charting territory and exploring new areas of the, of the country. Right, and his father was a, was a map maker for the British crown. He'd uh, regaled his little son with stories about when he uh, surveyed the, um, the borderline between Virginia and North Carolina. So yeah, I think you're right. I think he's taking after his father in this way. And plus, um, helping himself and his neighbors to get their tobacco or their wheat to market, to the Rivanna flows to the James, which flows to the Atlantic. So you needed, it's like, you know, I-95 is today. <laughs> you need these highways unobstructed. Yeah, Absolutely. So we got this, this kind of short paragraph about the Ravana River and navigation. And then the next sentence is 1776, the Declaration of Independence. That's it. One line. And that's he all he has to say about that. Maybe it doesn't need much explanation. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so curious, right? Is, is he being humble or is he like, this is self-explanatory? And then he also says earlier, of course, that these are things that would have been done by someone else. Perhaps a little later, yeah. <laughs> but let's get to the, the, the meat and potatoes, if you will, or perhaps the meat and rice of uh, this a conversation, Danny, because what you brought to my attention is, you know, in this this list, Jefferson goes on about, you know, particular laws and policies that he goes about passing, but it is clear that Jefferson has a deep love of agriculture and botany and horticulture, does he not? Can we start with olives? Yes, okay. let's always start with olives. Um, <laughs> let's see, what are his exact, what are his words about the olives? Um, he talks about having a great number of olive plants of the best kind from Marseille. He, he sends them to South Carolina and Georgia where he thought they would thrive, and he, he claimed that the crop would be the gem of those states. But years earlier, we know he long had a fascination with olives and olive oil, and who doesn't love olive oil, yeah. right? But he says, to, in a letter to William Drayton, he described the olive as, open quote, one of the most precious productions of nature and contributes the most to the happiness of mankind, end quote. But then he also um, got obsessed about rice. And this really shows Jefferson's tenacity when he gets uh, an idea in his head. And the idea was to find an alternative for the wet rice that was grown in you know, the stagnant waters on the Carolina coast because of the disease that people who lived and worked in those regions. Like malaria and things like that. Well, they didn't know, they didn't call it malaria. Jefferson called it a pestilence. Mm -hmm. They didn't know yet that mosquitoes could, could carry malaria and yellow fever. But who was mainly dying? Of course, the enslaved people who worked in these wet rice paddies. Mm -hmm. So Jefferson wants to find a healthier alternative, a, a rice which will grow in upland or in dry regions. And he, he, for years is obsessed with this. 
especially in the years he lived in Paris. And I think he talked to everybody he met about getting rice. <laughs> and one of these people he had an audience with was only seven years old. <laughs> Uh -huh. And he was a prince from Cochin, China, which is now Vietnam. And Jefferson knows they have upland rice in that area of the world. And he asked this little boy, you know, when you go home, would you please send me some rice? <laughs> but can we just pause there? How interesting <laughs> that that interaction I wish I'd seen that. <laughs> um, never received that rice from the prince. But um, on another occasion, he was in the hills of northern Italy, where they were growing rice, dry rice. But the Italian government forbade people from taking it under penalty of death. So Jefferson just quietly puts some pocket, you know, handfuls of rice in his coat pockets and smuggles it home. Finally, in this summary, um, he, he writes about rice that he did get. Uh, let's see. He receives a cask of upland rice from West Africa sent to him in 1790. So let's see, would he have been Secretary of State, I guess, at that point, in that New York? That's about right, yeah. Okay. 1790 by an English ship captain he'd met in France. And Jefferson sent this rice to farmers in Georgia where he said it spread and was highly prized. Uh, you know, the inland areas of Georgia. He ends that paragraph with a, a famous line many of us guides at Monticello use, which is, quote, the greatest service which can be rendered any country is to add a useful plant to its culture, especially a bread grain. But the next line you might not know, he just adds this short uh, phrase, next in value to bread is oil. So are we back to the olive oil, I think? I think so. <laughs> and again, though, in a way that explains perhaps why the Declaration of Independence is only a sentence long, when, when you have that quote that the, truly the greatest service that can be rendered to country is not independence. But it's to add a bread grain a and bread to grain. eat olives. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> to each their own. And we do know that, in a way, Jefferson wrote up another list. Uh, he, of course, will not publish this document, but he makes uh, an explicit uh, list of what he would like written on his, his gravesite uh, when he passes away. Uh, and uh, Dan, I don't know if you want to do the honors of, of this list. It's something that we, of course, here at Monticello uh, know very, very well by heart. Sure. Jefferson writes that he wants, he wants to be remembered as the author of the Declaration of American Independence, of the Statute of Virginia for Religious Freedom, and as the father of the University of Virginia, and his instructions say not one word more. <laughs> so that's what his tombstone says to this day. And of course, you know, uh, just kind of concluding things, uh, Dana, um, one of the things that's so interesting about working at Monticello is we get to talk about history and what does history even mean? We know that Jefferson intended to be remembered for these things, whether we're talking about a summary of public service or what he wants written on his gravesite. But of course, history is always something that is being looked back on by uh, those living in the present. Uh, we, in fact, live in a moment where a lot of this history is currently being contested and debated. Which, of course, is why historic sites like Monticello are so important. Uh, there's places, there are places where we can have these important conversations. 
And Dana, uh, I just want to thank you for uh, having this conversation with me about Jefferson and rice and oil and, and a short little sentence about the Declaration of Independence. Right. You're welcome. It was fun. This has been another edition of Mountaintop History, a collaboration between WTJU and the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. To learn more and to plan your next visit, go to our website at monticello.org.